My name is Sabina Frustik, and I'm a professor of Japanese uh, modern cultural studies at the University of California, Santa Barbara. I've published in a number of fields. I want to mention two titles. One is Uneasy Warriors, which is an ethnography of the current day Japanese military. And another one is an edited volume I did together with Anne Walthall, a historian at UC Irvine, that's titled Recreating Japanese Men. So I've uh, done a lot of work on violence, on militarism, and masculinity. Perfect. And today I'm here talking to you about um, the assassination of Shinzo Abe that happened earlier in July. Can you talk me through what happened on that day, what the assassination was like? So Abe was campaigning on behalf of the Liberal Democratic Party, his party in Nara, a town with long tradition, beautiful uh, city. And he was on the street doing that when he was shot and killed by a man who was 41 years old. Uh, he's the suspect. His name is Tetsuya Yamagami. Yamagami was immediately arrested, and he also immediately confessed to shooting Abe. And so there was a lot of speculation later about the motivation and about the circumstances, including the possibility that security might not have been as tight as one would hope at such an occasion. And so I know that gun crimes and violence like this is very rare in Japan, and not many people would have expected this to happen. What are the gun reforms like in Japan currently? So I don't think there are any gun reforms in process at the moment, because Japan already has one of the strictest gun laws and the strictest a system of regulating who can even own a gun. And that's covered by the Firearm and Sword Possession Control Law from 1958. And what that means in conjunction with other kinds of laws in Japan is that gun violence is minuscule compared to essentially everybody else around the world. And deadly violence is also a really, really a rare occasion in Japan. And I just want to mention one figure that is published by the World Health Organization. Of 183 nations, Japan is the 183rd with respect to violent deaths. And so when we look at the most recent numbers that are from 2019, they're not totally current, but from 2019, there were precisely nine deaths in Japan uh, that were caused by firearms. And we're talking about a population of 125 uh, million. Uh, so this is a truly rare occasion, which has to do with legislation in part. And when we look at the legislation, one of the things that I find really, really fascinating in the United States, essentially, most people who want to purchase a gun pass, if anything, an inst if at all, an instant background check that considers criminal convictions, domestic violence, and immigration status. And then any such person, person can, in most places in the United States, buy a gun. In Japan, here's what you need to do. Take a firearm class and pass a written exam which is held up to three times a year. So you, you can never just go and 
you know, perhaps out of anger or or some grievance, get a gun and shoot somebody. You need to have a doctor's note that says you're mentally fit and do not have a history of drug abuse. You then have to apply for a permit to take firing training, which may take up to a month. Um, you describe in a police interview why you need a gun. You pass a review of your criminal history, gun possession record, employment, involvement with organized crime groups, a whole lot of other uh, kinds of hurdles that might even include interviews with your family members or neighbors, whether you've been a stable uh, individual. Um, you apply for a gunpowder permit, you take a training class and, uh, and pass a firing test. Uh, you obtain a certificate from a gun dealer describing the gun you want. If you want a gun for hunting, you apply for a hunting license um, and buy a gun safe and an ammunition locker that meets safety regulations. Um, and finally, in this long list of things you need to do, uh, you agree to the police to inspect your gun storage without um, prior notice. So the police can show up at your doorsteps just to check whether you're actually storing your gun uh, correctly. And then you pass an additional background review and then you can buy a gun. And even this long list of um, steps that somebody would need to take is limited to guns that are meant for hunting um, and guns for sport uh, shooting, for instance. So very, very little uh, limited um, um, conditions. And of course, this uh, extends in Japan also a sort of um, pronounced anti-gun um, consensus also to the police. Very few policemen actually carry guns. It's very limited. Can you describe the culture around firearms and guns in Japan if very few policemen are seen holding them? This is, of course, um, an interesting uh, question because in the United States, we're so used to assuming that people want to carry guns and assuming that um, there's a constant sense of um, one has to defend oneself or be able to defend oneself against uh, whatever it might be. Uh, in most other countries, most other uh, democratic post-industrial countries, that's not at all the case. And in Japan, um, the general attitude or culture, um, first of all, is probably based in a general anti-violent um, culture that has to do with a number of things. One has to do with Japan's role in World War II and the legacy of that war that, of course, uh, meant that Japan now has a constitution that prohibits its military from engaging in war. So Japan has a military, but it's not allowed to engage in combat on a national scale and international scale that to some degree also informs individual citizens' attitudes. And so we have also, I think, a sort of mainstream model of masculinity that does not pair 
manhood with the will to violent action uh, necessarily. Some observers would also bring into play the sort of comparatively comparatively intact social contract in Japan, that individuals are not only responsible for themselves and their own behavior, but also um, have sort of responsibility to the functioning of a community and of society. And I saw through the articles written about the assassination that the suspect made a handmade gun. Why is that something that would be very unexpected? What's so significant? Yeah, this was this was uh, one of the first things that was reported, and and I was wondering myself uh, how one can possibly make a, a gun um, by hand, so to speak. But in in Japan, of course, on the one hand. It's significant, and this has not been spelled out in a lot of media in Japan, but it's significant because this man used to be a member of the Maritime Self-Defense Forces, so Japan's version of the Navy, because the constitutional and legal uh, position of the Japanese military is somewhat precarious because of the Article 9 in the Constitution, it meant a lot Uh, to both the Japanese government, but also to the Japanese military uh, to signal very clearly that this man did not shoot Abe with a military gun, because that would would have reflected, potentially reflected very, very negatively on the military and its capacity to Uh, contain and track and control its own weaponry. Uh, That's one factor. The other factor, I think, is um, uh, to uh, highlight the fact that it's actually very difficult to obtain a gun illegally in Japan. But generally speaking, for a regular, ordinary citizen without ties to the underworld, it's very, very difficult. And so uh, this man was found to have lots and lots of boxes of different kinds of parts of guns that he apparently purchased through the internet and not through, you know, regular trade. And so it was important politically as well as in in a number of other ways to make a clear statement that guns were not just floating around for somebody with a grudge to get their hands on. Yeah, well, that's really interesting to hear about. I'm wondering what Shinzo Abe's reputation was like in Japan for someone to have a motive like that towards him. Well, I wouldn't bring Abe's reputation up to justify or legitimate his killing at all. Abe's reputation, both in Japan and internationally, I think, was as a very strong leader, in part because he was the longest reigning prime minister, in part also because uh, Japan's prime ministers, they also don't typically tend to have a strong personality because of the particular system through which they become prime minister. They're, They're typically seen as representatives of their parties, not as standalone figures in the ways that often American presidents are cultivated or their public images cultivated. 
so that's one thing. He is definitely a different, was definitely a different kind of pop, uh, politician. Uh, he, he was very much recognized as his, his own man. Abe was also a, a right-wing conservative. Uh, sometimes for people outside of Japan, when they hear he was the um, a member and leader of the Liberal Democratic Party. That sounds liberal to American eyes, but that party is not liberal by any uh, measure. It's a conservative party, and Abe was a very um, uh, uh, right uh, conservative. And he became even more conservative in the course of his uh, second premiership. Uh, the way one uh, could characterize his political uh, position is, for instance, by mentioning that he very strongly promoted an idea of Japan and of the Japanese population uh, that should be proud of its past, proud of a beautiful Japan. Um, and of course, while that might sound completely neutral to an uninformed uh, person, what he meant by that is a relative downplaying of Japan's imperialist past. It also meant that he took a very problematic and, um, and very questionable position on uh, the Japanese sexual slavery system during wartime. Um, and, um, and so, and, and that he was also very uh, much associated with clearly right-wing organizations uh, such as Nippon Kaigi, for instance, uh, in Japan, as well as uh, with uh, the Shinto religion and uh, Yasukuni Shrine. So the fact, in fact, that um, his assassin uh, attacked him because of his ties to the Unification Church, right? The church that originated in Korea it was to me a total surprise because if I thought prior uh, to his assassination about Abe and religion, I would always go to Abe and Shinto, the national and nationalist religion. Some of its segments are nationalist in Japan, and I would have never thought of the unification church. But as we've learned since, a number of politicians, including Abe, received donations and gave uh, speeches for the unification church and, and in that context. Yeah, thank you so much for providing some context around the situation. To wrap this interview up, I want to ask how this event, this assassination is going to change the future for Japan. Yeah, I think one shouldn't overestimate the impact uh, this will have at the current moment because there's still a lot of investigation underway. I see from uh, Japanese reports that the security apparatus around political figures is, of course, reviewed. Uh, there's also a lot of discussion about the ties of political figures with various religions. Those are not normally discussed much because uh, for a number of reasons. One, one of them is that Japan is, is among the countries in which the smallest number of people 
feel they are they, they have any kind of faith so in international comparisons japan always appears as one of the least uh, religious countries uh, a lot of people engage in uh, shinto and buddhist rituals for major events in their lives but a very small number of people would say i'm a believer of a particular religion or a particular, a particular faith. And so the whole question of religion and politics is not one uh, that is often in the forefront of, of the public uh, discussions, but I would assume that this uh, will be for a while. One of the things that, of course, some observers are very, very concerned at the moment is that because the Unification Church uh, is was originally founded in Korea, there's some concern that uh, the Japanese right. So uh, some of the concerns uh, focus on, is there going to be anti-Korean or anti-unification uh, church members backlash in Japan? Um, in part because uh, the unification church is associated with Korea and in part because the Japanese right and Japanese conservatives, of course, have... Um, a, a very complicated relationship uh, to Korea already. So that's that's some of the concern uh, that is discussed in Japan at the moment. Um, but uh, other than that, I don't expect large ch legal changes in terms of uh, gun control, precisely because uh, gun control is already very strict. And of course, this particular uh, terrible incident um, uh, was was an individual man's uh, crime um, and one that was um, uh, carried out with a gun that was made by himself. Thank you for explaining the relationship between religion and political figures and how that could be a possible change that happens in Japan. Those are all the questions that I have for today. Is there anything else that I missed that you might want to mention or include for context? I think one thing one shouldn't underestimate is how such an incident, no matter how singular and unusual, can impact the national mood about our current uh, situation and the, the national mood about Japan's position in the world. And so I think one thing that is definitely clear is that a lot of Japanese, no matter where they stand politically, are very shocked about this, that this could happen in Japan. 